Hey everybody, welcome to episode 117 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina, with a special focus on the SCG Tour. We are your hosts, I'm Chris Castor-Apple, and with me as always is Collins Mullen. Hey Collins! What's up Chris? Not much, how's it going? Uh, pretty good. It's been a wild week in terms of magic stuff, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, just a lot of stuff going on, <laughs> holy crap. Yeah, basically like all in one announcement, we got Field of the Dead, Band and standard, uh, no bands in modern as we were kind of expecting. Yep, and a just a straight up new Magic the Gathering format. Yeah, what? <laughs> what? Whoa! Where did this come from? Where did this come from? Did we? Who asked? Did we ask for this? I don't. Somebody must have asked for this because I... it's here and it's it's kind of sweet. You know, yeah, new format. You know, they've made it immediately relevant to our interests by, like, having several premiere events be played under this format. It's not like the other quote-unquote new formats that are just going to die immediately because they have no support <laughs> anywhere. Yeah, I, you know, I, I have our topics in order and stuff okay. like that, but we are now just, like, <laughs> obviously this is what we're going to talk about. Yeah. So why don't, now why don't we just talk about it? Sure. So new format is exciting, and certainly for the past two days, I have been kind of nonstop talking with Evan and Lee and and you and Zan and Jeremy just about like, here are our ideas for Pioneer. And that's certainly very exciting. Like new decks, old cards, like get to do a new thing. Yeah. For those of you who like missed the announcement, Pioneer is a new non-rotating format starting with Return to Ravnica and going on from there. Yeah. And they've announced that it will be immediately supported in queues and leagues on Magic Online starting on October 23rd. So that'll be like the day before this podcast comes out. And then there will be premier level events, including like the first PT of next year will be Pioneer. Yeah. Starting this week, the there will be a Pioneer challenge every weekend. So like... They're doing it. They're saying this is a real format. It is exactly on the same level as probably a level above Legacy, but on, <laughs> on a level with modern and standard yeah. for competitive play. So that is on its own, like an exciting new thing. But it it shows a couple of things. Number one, they know how to make a format that's going to stick. This is all it takes is telling us like, there are going to be events with this. Yeah. And it's on Magic Online. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it takes. And then that makes you sit back and go, huh, well, why isn't Brawl a thing? Why isn't Historic a thing? Right. They've chosen not to make them things. Yeah. Because they know how to do it. Right. <laughs> and the, the Historic thing, I think, is a really big deal here. And it is a little boggling to me that this is the choice that they're making is we're going to give you a new eternal format and it's going to start at return to ravnica yeah it just feels like such an arbitrary point when they have a format that they created and it makes sense and it's like here this format exists so that you can have an eternal format on arena and your cards don't just disappear but Instead of supporting it, we are choosing to create an entirely new format that's going to get any of the attention and any of the events that this this format could possibly get. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, who knows, like, why that's the case? I think there are a couple of, like, reasonable explanations. Mm -hmm. Is it demonstrating that they knew how to do it all along? Or is this, like, the first time they tried this approach and it's, like, immediately stuck and seems obvious now? Like, is, is, like, that a potential... Or maybe, like, they have this, like, historic idea, and that's, like, theoretically going to be Arena's thing, and then this is going to be Magic Online and Paper's thing. Mm -hmm. But that raises a lot of questions as well. Why are these entirely separate entities all of a sudden? It seems like we should be trying to merge the two entities of Arena and Magic Online instead of what it seems like they're doing, which is, like, making wildly different decisions for each one. Mm -hmm. That doesn't really make any sense. Yeah. Yeah, the only explanation that sort of makes sense to me here is that they honestly, like, would rather that we didn't play Historic. Right. Every decision revolving around Historic has seemed like, oh, why, well, why, that seems like a disincentive to play Historic instead of, and they're like, you know, pitching it always as an incentive to play Historic, but like twice as much cost for wild cards and, you know, no, like, actual events are going to be played under this. And I don't even know when it's available. Mm-hmm. Like, when do we have ranked queues? Like, I don't know what that schedule is because it's not clear. And it's just, like, if this is going to be a format, it has to be something that I can play whenever I feel like it and have the time to play it. Right. You have to let me do yeah. it. Historic felt less like a format and more like some band-aid that they wanted yeah. to put over your cards no longer mattering on on Magic Arena. And that that feels bad. And, I mean, that's a good goal to have. Ixalan, Block, and Dominaria, and M19 rotated out of standard. And for all intents and purposes, those cards disappeared from my Arena collection. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. I Just, like, half of my cards are gone now. Yeah. And I... We put a lot of money into Arena to get those cards. Right. Like, I've... Certainly spent a couple of hundred dollars on Arena. Yeah. And it's it makes me feel like that was a really stupid decision, yeah. to be to be quite honest. Right. Just they're very clearly intending Arena as a place where you go to play standard if you're playing constructed. Right. And that's it. And that's just really frustrating. Your cards don't have any long-term value. You can't dust them. You can't play them except every once in a while at times that are just, like, maybe not even convenient for you to play. And you're not playing a format that has any merit. Even when I'm playing goofy decks in standard, Mm -hmm. I'm playing against other standard decks, and I'm seeing the format, and that's going to inform my choices and my deck building later on in standard when I'm going to go play more competitive events. Yeah, Playing Historic is, even if it is pretty fun... You know, one of the reasons that magic is fun for me is that it's iterative and I build on the things that I learn. As far as that goes, playing historic would just be like a pretty big waste of time because I'm never going to play a historic event. So it just like effectively doesn't exist. And that was frustrating before. And then the announcement of this entirely new format that they have no intention of bringing to arena and just like exists now, is competitive, has events like that just kind of doubles down on the. Yeah, I mean, Arena is for you to buy new cards from us every three months, and that's the, the entire purpose of Arena. <laughs> right, yeah. It's it's frustrating. Yeah, feels bad. And, like, the bummer part of it is if that weren't, like, weighing down this whole thing, I'd just be super excited about Pioneer. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we've got a whole section. We're going to talk about, like, Pioneer decks we've brainstormed and the ideas we've had and, and like, the 
things we've been goldfishing with Evan Whitehouse. And but, yeah. and, you know, I'm, I'm still excited about Pioneer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I it's kind of unfortunate that I'm playing on the SCG tour, and I think they're going to be a little later to adopt Pioneer in mm-hmm. any reasonable facet. I wouldn't be surprised at all if, like, even, like, the earlier opens for next season that have already been announced could potentially be changed to Pioneer if it turns out to be this big thing. Yeah. Because a lot of what Pioneer's doing is selling cards that these companies want to sell. Mm-hmm. Um, and Star City Games runs the tour because they want to sell cards. Yep. So it, it makes so much sense to me for them to switch some of these events. So we're definitely going to have our finger on the pulse for Pioneer. And I am excited. Even though I like really desperately need to be preparing for Atlanta. <laughs> Today I was like... You know, thinking about like a, you know, rally the ancestors sort of sec that I could play flying <laughs> in, in Pioneer and stuff like that. So, you know, that stuff's definitely fun. And I, I think, I, you know, despite the complaints that we have about this stuff, I'm still going to be focusing a lot on the good elements of, you know, the things that they're doing right this time. I mean, that's kind of nothing new when it comes to playing Magic, right? Is like, we you, we take the parts we enjoy <laughs> And there's always some like kind of messed up decision making process in the background that you just kind of <laughs> ignore a little bit. Oh, I mean, they're certainly flying by the seat of their pants. I mean, you know, the, <laughs> this is, but this, you know, this is the wild ride that we're yep. we're so used to. It's nothing now. new. It is just as frustrating as it's always been. But, yeah, you no. know, we we quash those feelings way deep down and squeeze them into a little ball and you don't let them out hey chris i'm, I'm all for repressing feelings right now uh, all right well we will get to pioneer yeah. um i think we'll probably spend a, a sizable chunk of this episode talking about the stuff we've been thinking about um you know entirely theory based but yeah we're not we're not bad at that part so yeah. uh but we do have a couple of things to talk about first um, first of all, I want to thank our patrons. We really, really appreciate you guys coming and supporting us, hanging out in the Discord, coming and watching our streams live. Uh, this one was not streamed, so don't worry, you didn't miss it. If you would like to support us, head over to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast. We'll send a little swag your way, and you can be part of the MTG Grindcast family. Yeah. Uh, we like to kick things off with a Keeper Mall. So this is a modern... What are we even calling these decks now? This one, it it's like a <laughs> I don't know. This one's a this one's a Urza mid range, right? So the inclusion of Gilded Goose and Emery into these decks has kind of shifted them away from being this like combo element that they've always been known to be, mm-hmm. and more definitely into the control atmosphere. Oko serving as like a catch-all answer to just tons of different kinds of threats like yeah. allows that to happen. Right. And it, it, maybe mid-range is like a little more what we should be calling it mm-hmm. because, you know, I definitely feel like it fits a little more in the mid-range bill because you, you are doing a certain element of very proactive things. Yeah. And it's very um, permanent based. Yeah. So this one's a this one's an Urza Oko deck. Yeah. And I guess while we're getting pretty off topic here, but it, it is, I do want to point out how uh, a lot of these decks that we're playing with now feel more and more like we're just jamming all of the best card into a deck mm-hmm. and not that we're like building like interesting cohesive decks. And it just so happens that several of the best cards enable Mox Opal yeah, and then like, go from there. And, you know, and this deck has Mox Opal in it and we're just like jamming like every best artifact associated card into this deck. Yeah. 
which is, I don't know, it feels kind of bad. I mean, the fact that Goose and Oko both just count as, like, they're part of your artifact count for your deck is pretty wild. (laughs) So A little off topic. So this is a mulligan to five on the play against Devoted Druid. So we are a mid-range deck based on Oko, Urza, Goose, Emery. Yeah. Our Our hand on five cards, our seven cards are Pithing Needle, Mox Opal, Gilded Goose, Oko, Thopter Foundry, Urza, and Emery. So no lands. So no lands. Not enough zeros to turn on Mox Opal. Nope. But we do have quite a few hitters in Mm -hmm. this hand. We have Pithing Needle, which is kind of the best way in our deck to shut down Devoted Druid combo. Yep. You prevent the Devoted Druid from being able to be untapped, which prevents the combo. So it's just like a medium, like a bad mana dork. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you have uh, a bunch of other powerful cards in your hand. You've got Oko, Urza... And Emery, and you know a goose to kind of like kickstart the mana once we can get there. And um, the the Emery with the needle means that they need to go off the turn that they kill the needle. Yeah. If if we have the Emery in play, right? Um, right. It's it's protection for it. And and if you are nice. doing other control elements to like, oh, you've passed the turn with this devoted druid in play a couple of times. Now I've found an answer to it. It, it can make it pretty difficult for them. They they can't just do the like slower develop your game plan play this rex age okay now i'll kill you on my next turn thing yeah so you know if this hand was a seven it would be an easy mulligan yes we, we can't cast any spells um and we're on the play so we you know you should definitely this is those. this is what the london mulligan is for yeah but we're on five already mm-hmm. so we're not in a good spot so this is we definitely need to consider like the the high the high risk high reward elements of this hand mm-hmm. because of all of that i do think that this hand is a keep going to four pretty disastrous kind of regardless and this five can kind of contains the early interaction that we need to not die to this fast combo deck Mm -hmm. so i do think this hand is key interesting part about this hand is what we're going to bottom though yeah so i think it's pretty clear that we're keeping our mox opal and our pithing needle and our goose and and our goose uh just because these are all of the like the early artifacts that like allow our hand to function if we can draw a land right and and this turns it into once we draw land between Goose and Mox Opal, mm-hmm. our mana comes online within a turn or two. Yeah. So those three, I think they were definitely going to keep. So between our, like, quote-unquote payoff cards, we need to figure out which ones we're going to keep. Yep. And our options are Oko, Thopter Foundry, Urza, and Emery. And we get to keep two of those. We get to keep two of these. I think that the easy bottom is Thopter Foundry. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't really function... I mean, it's just not part of our plan in this matchup. Yeah. Uh, it's like a nice thing to like top deck late and then you know kill your opponent with, sure. But it's not like it's not preventing our opponent from doing anything, right? Or if you stumble into the combo early, it's fine. Yeah. But we can't pay costs in order to do that, right? Including the cost of keeping this card in our five card hand. Yeah. Um, so I do think it comes down to like the second bottom comes down to Oko, Urza, or Emery. Mm-hmm. I think Emery is likely. Definitely something that we're going to keep here because it's the cheapest thing that we have and it's probably just going to be able to like get us the value that we need to continue to play this game. Right. Once we have our three artifacts of Needle, Mox Opal, and Goose's food in play, then Emery costs one mana mm-hmm. and has the potential to make up for our mulligan all on its own. Right. And then I think that we're just a little far away from being able to cast an Urza, mm-hmm. combined with the fact that Oko is just really good in this matchup. Okay. Your opponent's playing a bunch of like creatures that do very specific things. So, you know, turning their 
devoted druid or whatever like or like their vizier or anything that they're playing like for its effect specifically into a three three actually becomes very irrelevant mm -hmm. and it's plus almost like you know as long as your three threes the three threes aren't like pressuring you too much plus almost feels like a removal spell in this matchup a lot of the time yeah so well because they're very bad at killing you the extra damage from a three three or two is like not adding together with a semi-aggressive game plan yeah like it's just gotta do it on its own right and we're we we have ways of dealing with that including just making our own three threes so yeah no for sure so yeah so i think i'm keeping this hand and bottoming doctor foundry and urza and just really crossing my fingers that yeah uh, it might not work out we but, can rip one <laughs> but a, a four isn't super likely to work out either so. yeah yeah for sure the oko goes really well with our having emery and needle because we're pressuring their creatures on the board mm -hmm. whenever they pass with it each turn they pass with a devoted druid is a chance for us to say okay now it is time for us to turn that into a three three yeah and then they can't do that all right reclamation sage infinite mana kill you yeah, yeah. so that particular set of cards goes together pretty nicely yep but definitely an interesting hand like it definitely a good one to talk about because there's a lot of like weird decisions to be made with this hand yeah. as well so. and and you may never cast a spell but yeah yeah i mean you could end up looking very silly and just you know like dying on turn three to your opponent's combo and be like all right you got me oh. <laughs> but hopefully that doesn't happen hopefully but you know yeah. you, you got your risks you got your rewards <laughs> all right so just to talk briefly about standard there was a ban there was a ban uh kind of made it clear that they were just gonna ban field of the dead regardless of what happened at the yeah. mythic championship right because out of a field of 40% Golos decks, only one ended up making the top eight. Yeah, I mean, the results, especially, and how the top eight played out, mm -hmm. made Banning Field look pretty silly. Yeah. So I do think that this decision was made before that top eight happened. Mm -hmm. And because the top eight certainly made the best decks in the room look like these Oko decks. And kind of the only thing keeping these Oko decks down even a little bit were these Field of the Dead decks. But even then, they didn't do a very good job of keeping these Oko decks down. No, about the same number of Oko decks made day two as uh, Golos decks did, which, you know, there are about half as many in the field. Yeah. Uh, maybe a little more than that, but certainly a lower percentage than the yeah. Golos decks. And they posted a positive win percentage against the Golos decks over the course of the tournament. Mm -hmm. The food decks just were winning that matchup. Uh, they were all targeting that matchup, certainly. You know, yeah. everybody's running all these questing beasts. Or main deck disdainful strokes. Sivka's deck cut the wicked wolves from the main deck because they're not super good against Golos and just was playing this sort of like ramp game plan with stealing elements post board and uh, but everybody bringing a food deck certainly had it built in such a way that they felt they were favored against Golos. Yeah, and I, I think that's how it played out over the tournament. Certainly, yeah. And the most impressive cards over the weekend were. I think very clearly Oko and Nissa, mm -hmm. and the combination of these like ramp strategies to be able to play these ahead of schedule. And uh, Andrea Minguchi was talking a lot about this in his interviews where he was saying, yeah, I felt like, you know, I just mulliganed to a hand that could either turn two Oko or turn three Nissa every time. Yeah. Just because you just can't do that. There are enough tools to be able to do one of those things and, you know, mm -hmm. and be able to mulligan aggressively to those. He talked about like how he felt very lucky that he got so many of those draws to work out. Yep, banning these field of the dead decks definitely feels like it like missed kind of like the the best thing to be doing in standard, which is one of those two things. It did in order for me 
to be optimistic about this, the way I have to interpret it is that the existence of the Golos decks made a lot of the ways to attack the Oko decks just non-starters. Mm-hmm. So, for example, the Esper Doom Foretold deck from the very beginning of the season. Sure. That disappeared once Golos became a main thing. Yeah. It also disappeared, like, once decks got better. <laughs> sure. And it might just not have been able to keep up with the consistency and quality of other decks. Yeah. But originally, the way that it was created was to be a food deck killer. Yeah. Wraths to kill the creatures. Doom Foretold to kill the Planeswalkers. Yeah. There's not a lot else in the deck and doom foretold does a good job of killing your stuff that's certainly fair it may be that when these decks are properly constructed and have veils of summer and tamios in the sideboard that they will be resilient enough that esper can't do it but esper has its own tools you know teferi time raveler is great against veil of summer you know there, there may be that interesting thing that plays out where decks that are planning on winning the game on turn eight nine ten plus that just simply could not exist because at that point your opponent is making eight zombies a turn by putting lands into play. <laughs> yeah. They are now allowed to exist, and so answer decks can be a thing. Mm-hmm. And if you're specifically trying to answer the food decks, if my deck is a bunch of murderous riders and uh, noxious grasps and ways to get card advantage, and if I don't believe I get beaten by raw hydrid crazies for four or six or something like that yeah you know that's a deck that could never exist in a field of the dead metagame yeah but maybe it exists now no i think that's a really good point for sure that like the angles that you know people can take aren't going to be like as easily hated on by these food decks because there's probably going to be a like a, a like a diverse array of ways that people are going to try to beat Oko, mm-hmm. and the solution to that shouldn't be just as easy as like you know putting four disdainful strokes in your main deck. Yeah, right, right. Your decks are going to be a little more versatile than the Golos deck, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, Golos is thing. just doing one thing, doing it very well, and you know it's very powerful. But yeah, um, another thing to keep in mind is like the results of this Mythic Championship. The deck lists were submitted two weeks before the tournament was run, and the yeah. format did evolve over time. Yeah. People were doing different things. So maybe, I don't know exactly, because we didn't see any other big competitive standard-only events in that time period. We don't know if a solution to Golos was really found or if there was just a gentleman's agreement on ladder not <laughs> to play the deck that took 35 minutes to play a match. Yeah, no, for sure. Maybe less of a gentleman's agreement and more of just like the everybody's sick of it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's mostly what it was. <laughs> yeah. So kind of winners and losers here. I think that we have some pretty specific losers in the format, which are the cards that we're seeing play specifically to beat the Golos decks. Yeah. So I'm thinking the like tech choices that became stock, which were Embercleave Gruel. Speaking of winners. Yeah. <laughs> Won the tournament. Yeah. And like big congrats to Javier, like su- super deserving champion. Yeah. Not good against the food decks. No. And Embercleave is not, I believe, going to be very good going forward. Maybe out of the yeah. Knights decks or something. But, Potentially. But not out yeah. of this... Not out of these gruel builds. I, I do feel like a little vindicated because I think I was like higher than most on Embercleave as a card. Yeah. Like going into this format, I was like, oh, this is like team or battle rage. It looks sweet. Yeah. It was very good at beating up on the goal of sex. Yep. You know, I, I, I definitely believed it to be a bigger role player than it ended up being, but it was just fun to see it do well at the, you know. I, I think mythic. it's clear that the power level of the card is there. Yeah. And there will be times over the next two years where it's just one of the best things you can be doing. Yeah. So. You know, just keep an eye out for that. Yeah, no, for sure. 
Don't forget, don't don't sleep on it. Yeah. <laughs> but the the role that it was filling there of just like making threats unable to be stopped by zombies, you know, that role doesn't exist anymore. So I think that despite Embercleave spiking right after the tournament, we're playing a very different format now and, sure. and that's not what yeah. it's going to be about. It doesn't have the prey that it really needs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we are not going to be seeing main deck disdainful strokes after this. Mm-hmm. That that was a one-time only thing. <laughs> Things like Rankle and Spawn of Mayhem. Uh, I think Rankle is still a very good card, but yeah. something like Spawn of Mayhem that existed entirely because it didn't get blocked by zombies and attack for five each turn. It's just not that powerful of a card. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think it'll, you know, it also doesn't have as much prey to yeah. beat up on. Yeah. And it's just like one of the cards that really doesn't pass the Teferi test very well. True. And uh, I think there probably will be more Teferis. I expect a, an uptick on Teferi. So, I mean, I yeah. guess Bant Golos was running Teferi, but... Yeah. That was... Their, their Teferis were pretty taxed <laughs> against the aggressive decks. Right. Yeah. Questing Beast is probably worse now. It doesn't have zombies to just, you know... Ignore. To phase through or whatever <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was yeah. doing. And in the, like, food mirrors, it's, like, actively bad against Wicked Wolf in play. True. So, I, I think that the stock of Questing Beast is going to go down some. The raw power level of the card is still super high, so... Ways to beat food. Maybe an answer deck pops mm-hmm. up that wasn't allowed to exist before. I mean, yeah, if you can answer Planeswalkers mm-hmm. early and just, like, have, like, general ways of clearing up a cluttered board, yeah. that pretty much checks your boxes for being able to beat the food deck. Yeah, I mean, some sort of, like, Thought Erasure, Murderous Rider deck with good, like, either Ether Gusts or probably better Noxious Grasp in the sideboard is, like, yeah. a fine place to start, probably. Yeah. You could also beat it with Threat decks, uh, I think that one of the decks from that didn't quite make it in a Golos world, but was clearly very good against the food decks, were the Selesnia versions of the adventure decks. You just go way too wide. Your creatures, like Ogo doesn't make sense against them. Like a 3-3 blocker doesn't stop you. Making your creatures into 3-3s just makes them better. And you just have so many of them that you just get through. And they're not very good at dealing with wide boards. Yeah. So I would anticipate the green-white adventures deck being the go-to version of the deck now that you don't have to have some combination of questing beast rankle spawn of mayhem as your top end of your threats yeah just the general like white weenie strategy is going to be much better yeah um in that context venerated loxodon has always been good in the creature matchups and Mm -hmm. i think it will continue to be so oh for sure yeah we'll see how standard goes i'm a little bummed they're won't be quite as much call for this reanimator deck I've been working on. I True. think yeah, yeah. Golos was one of the better matchups. Right. And while I have been pretty successful against food decks, um, I top aided a moderately sized <laughs> PTQ this weekend uh-huh. with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, congratulations. Mm, yeah. I defeated a small child. Okay. I defeated a gentleman running blue white artifact aggro sweet um which actually had some really neat elements to it like one game he just went ginger brute into steel overseer into ginger brute putting all the glitters on it and yep. i was just like oh my god i'm just gonna die to this mm-hmm. so there were some good things there but you know it really wasn't a deck that was per- equipped to compete with the stuff in standard um and then i i beat a player who made some mistakes with food against me sure and then i played against evan uh who played extraordinarily well he, um, turns out, really good at magic. Just just very good at magic, very good yeah. at adapting on the fly and adjusting his game plan to 
you know, he knew exactly what my plan was because he knew what my deck list was. Yeah, yeah. Um, he knew how I had been beating food and he adjusted his game plan accordingly. He specifically was playing a build that my sideboard plan and my gameplay needed to change more than I did adjust it during the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, he was playing Sifka's list, which had the ability to just not do anything for a while. Yeah. And we were sitting there and then he just played a blue castle. Mm-hmm. And then I was just like, oh my God, the game is over. <laughs> because I couldn't resolve anything. He was holding up Disdainful Stroke plus three mana for my Mystical Dispute. Sure. So I couldn't force through stuff without losing my cards. And I ended up just drawing too many reactive cards. Uh, and so we were sitting there staring at each other. And then he was just scrying two cards a turn. Yeah. And over the course of the game, he put about 10 cards on the bottom of his library and just, I couldn't keep up with, a lot of cards. with what he was doing. Right. So, you know, his list in particular allowed him to play this game plan against me that nobody had ever done with food before. Everybody was like desperate to jam threats against me. Yeah. Would tap down, leaving just their counter spell up. So mystical dispute was excellent. And he just didn't allow that to happen and, yeah. and beat me pretty soundly. I mean, he drew very well at least one of the matches, yeah. but he would not have beaten me if he didn't play very well and, sure. and come up with that game plan kind of on the fly. So uh, impressive stuff to get beaten by <laughs> yeah. in the top eight. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, it, it does suck in certain contexts, but sometimes it feels kind of nice to just like really get outplayed. Sometimes you're just like, all right, yeah, you, yeah, you did this it. This is cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Our, our first match, you know, he like disdainful stroke me twice and played Nashiok, and then the second game he disdainful stroke me three times and then played two steal your stuff spells and yeah. it was just like okay yeah you outdrew me but right. but in our our top eight match when he just like leveraged his cards better than i did and yeah i you know he deserved the win for sure so yeah standard we will see what happens mm-hmm. who knows yeah I, I haven't really played a single match of this standard, like still to this to this day which <laughs> so i feel like kind of behind in some aspects but I, you know well, everybody's behind now because it's a new format. Well, great. So, you know, yeah. all we know is that Oko is $75. Mm-hmm. It's the defining feature of standard. Yeah. yeah. Well, that one does impact me because, I, you know, I've been playing a lot of that card in other formats. <laughs> yes, that's yeah. true. We have a lot of Okos around between everybody. Well, good. To pick I mean, up, we're so. going to need them. <laughs> I, I own seven at this point. Nice. And yeah. just a necessary expense, I think. Yeah. Um. So how has your modern testing been going? Atlanta this weekend, so... Yeah, so last weekend I played regionals. Mm-hmm. Um, I played Infect. Yeah. I ended up making top 32 of regionals after going X and 2. Mm-hmm. My losses were to Grixis Shadow, where I couldn't really do anything about it. And then also I lost to Titan Breach in the first round of the tournament. And Ooh. it was 100% my fault. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. I I easily won game one because it's a great matchup for yeah. me. Yeah. And then game two, I just like kept... It was it was the classic keep lose scenario. <laughs> it was just like, yeah, I'll keep and lose. It'll be fine. <laughs> you know, I'm up a game in a good matchup. Maybe I get there and win easily. What, or what was his hand? Just like it was just all pump spells, one glistener elf, and one land on the draw. So you just had to put the glistener elf into play. So I just played it and, and it bolted got bolted, it, of course. Yep. And then I never draw a new drew another land. Yeah. Um, all of the ways that I could lose in this matchup were just in this hand, and I was just like. Yeah, we'll keep blues. <laughs> It'll be fine. If you no. had had two lands in your hand, would you have held the Glistener? Elf? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because then they're dead 100% no matter what yep. on turn three. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was my bad. And then game three was like pretty interesting. I had a spell pierce that I put the shields down for because I still had my opponent dead through a 
um, through the Breach Titan mm-hmm. because I had a spell skite out that was like, he wouldn't be able to get Valkyrie triggers on the first um, trigger, and then and it then, can absorb the following ones. And then ones. it could absorb the following ones, and then I had him dead the next turn. Mm-hmm. But instead, he threw the breached in a destroy a land creature with persist. Oh, Woodfall Primus. A Woodfall Primus. Yeah. And he blew up both of my lands, and I didn't draw another one. Yep. And I was just very dead, and I couldn't <laughs> cast any of my spells. It was it was not great. <laughs> but Spellsky can redirect. No, it's non-creature. It... It's non-creature. You're totally right. Yeah. Oh, it's not. No. It's yeah. not an acidic slime because it, it can it. kill planeswalkers. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. You're totally right. I would have loved to redirect it to yep. my spell skite. Would have been really nice. <laughs> but it says non-creature permanent. Yep. You're um, totally right. So yeah. So I kind of got got there. But I, I should have just mulliganed game two and probably easily won. Okay. So you know that one was definitely on me. I and so I was thinking about it and I played Infect because it was metagame choice mm-hmm. in modern. And but the problem was I knew kind of going into the event and even just like in general right now is that Death Shadow of multiple varieties has become very popular. The metagame is getting slowly more and more toxic yeah. to something like Infect. Right. So playing Infect as this metagame call, even though I think it's like probably behind these other decks just in terms of raw power level, mm-hmm. um, feels now pretty like a, a bad choice just okay. because I know that you shouldn't play a metagame call deck that is poor against 30% of the popular decks right now, you're, which you're, are these shadow decks. You're buying as the price is going up, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm not going to be playing Infect moving forward. What I'm considering more now are these shadow decks. Mm-hmm. I think that Shadow's actually in a really good spot. I think that Shadow's like worst matchup is a like a 45% or maybe, and it has some really good matchups right now, and I just understand all of its plans. What's making it so good right now? You just have... So first of all, Stubborn Denial is just really good in okay. the format, in my mind. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of good targets for Stubborn Denial. Like, a lot of what the combo decks are trying to do revolve around that card. There's less, like, burn strategies. Mm-hmm. Graveyard strategies are not that popular, even though I'm about to talk about one as yeah. my <laughs> next choice. Yeah. So in terms of, you know, buying while the price is going up, uh, Shadow might be a similar idea because... This crab find deck is catching on mm-hmm. in terms of popularity. Is it catching on in terms of popularity, or just catching on? Maybe we're in this like little know. echo chamber of like crab find is right. Great. I did play a mirror mm-hmm. last night, so like that certainly. I happened. played several, yeah, for sure. Okay, so maybe it is catching on. Um, I I believe it's catching on. People on Magic Online figure these things out. And if it is catching on, then that makes Death Shadow a a a rough. Yeah, rough call. It's not great. Yeah, I mean, these these Dredge Find decks are just really good against these Shadow decks. I think that the... So, this kind of the story of my experience with uh, Dredge Find was... I kind of played it on a whim for this Sunday PTQ. Although the list I think I played was not that great. Um, it, I wasn't running any Once Upon a Times, mm-hmm. which I've since been convinced is just very correct to yeah. do. Um, and uh, I was not playing the... Uh, Murfolk Secret Keeper, mm-hmm. which not only combines with Once Upon really well in terms of being another like enabler to hit off of Once Upon a Time on turn one. Instead, I was playing another card I don't know the name of. Uh, the uh, hybrid... The Conspire spell. Yeah. Um, damn it. I have some right over there, I think. Oh, yeah? Uh, Memory Sluice. Memory Sluice. Yeah, it's got the weird name. Yeah. Yeah. So I was playing some Memory Sluices, but thinking more about it, I think that that card is 
The conspire only comes up when you're already doing yeah, it. Yeah, you're you're already yeah, you're like you've already got two creatures in play and are like doing at least something when mm-hmm. you are conspiring. So when you're not conspiring, it's just the same as yeah. the other half of um your Mufrick Secret Keeper. Um And you can't once upon a time for it. Yeah. And you can't trigger Vengevine with it. Yes. Yeah. So I think that it's just much better to play these secret keepers. And I also don't think I was mulliganing enough with my first experience with this deck. Okay. Uh, and that might have been due to the fact of the like the version that I was playing didn't have like as good mulligans as the uh, Once Upon a Time version does. Yeah, that's the thing that when Evan explained that to me, like that really clicked. Yeah, is by playing the maximum number of creatures that mill you. Yeah. Then your Once Upon and the maximum number of Once Upon a Times, and that just allows you to keep a slightly higher percentage of hands because your Once Upon a Times you can just count it as. This is a land if I need a land. This is a mill enabler if I need a mill enabler. Yeah. And you can't keep hands with fewer than two mill enablers, and you can't keep hands with fewer than two lands. Right. So. It being able to count for both in terms of, like, when you're going, you know, pretty far down in mulligans, which mm-hmm. I think that you should, because, you know, the hands that you start with crab are, like, infinitely better than any other hand yeah. in the deck. Oh, yeah. Because crab is, like, one of the problems with the deck is that it doesn't have much staying power. Mm-hmm. If you, like keep hands with just like a bunch of like one shot mill fours or whatever you can definitely run out of gas yeah. and then you're just like drawing cards off the top and a lot of them are prized amalgam and narcamoeba and right. creeping chill right and, like right. just drawing cards is not very good but crab just like lets like all the lands that you draw off the top become additional mills which is really good yeah definitely because there's no there's no dredge in the deck there's no way to get anything yeah. done from your graveyard right. you just don't have and i actually like lost to shadow one match uh in like a traditional shadow fashion of they just like got all of my resources out yeah and then i was just drawing cards off the top and i was like wow this doesn't feel like a graveyard deck at all against dredge or against shadow i just feel like i've been taken care of and i don't have inevitability anymore when you keep a hand that's like two glimpsy unthinkables and then they thought sees you. Mm-hmm. You're just like, mm, well, I think this game is probably over. Right. So, and I, you know, I, I think I lost that match also because I was playing around Stubborn Denial pretty aggressively. Mm-hmm. Like I had, my opponent turn one thought sees me and took my like, took something other than Glimpse the Unthinkable. And I was like, that's kind of weird. And they then must have Stubborn And denial. then they just like had a blue up for the rest of the game. And I just like couldn't ever resolve this Glimpse the Unthinkable. And I, I didn't play it into it because it was like all I had to keep going. But then I just like eventually died because I just <laughs> I just couldn't right. cast my spell. <laughs> Which means that in that game you couldn't beat the stubborn denial anyway. I should have just cast it. Yeah, and you might have um, lost on the spot, but yeah, for sure. But yeah, but that felt bad, and I th- think definitely highlighted one of the weaknesses of this deck, which is that you just don't have that like redundancy or inevitability. I think is a better term. Yeah, right. Once you get you know ten cards into your graveyard with dredge, yeah, you can just work with that for the rest of the game and right. it, it'll feed on itself that's just not how this deck works yeah so once i th- i think I, I need to get over some of my like dredge heuristics with this deck okay i think that they're definitely making me keep some bad hands and and you know not really appropriately like figure out what's going on with this deck mm-hmm. but i do think that this deck is very powerful I, it's my front runner for atlanta this weekend mm-hmm. i think i could also be playing shadow I don't think I need to prepare as much with Shadow. I think I've played a million matches with Shadow. I think I figured out which Shadow I would want to play. Um, I'm more of a fan of Grixis than I am of Sultai. Yeah. I just think that Gurmag Angler is an infinitely better threat than Tarmogoyf right now. There's just a million engineered explosives and fatal <laughs> pushes everywhere. 
When you're playing Urza, the one you don't want to see is Gurmagangler. Right. Yeah. yeah. So... But Jeremy was very happy with his Sultai Shadow deck that he yeah. he top-aided regionals. Jeremy with. top-aided with regionals. I think the Sultai Shadow was definitely very cool. You got to play Oko, clearly broken card. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely had some things going for it. I just don't think it's better than Grixis. Yeah. That's so. reasonable. Um, cool things about the Sultai Shadow deck, and, you know, maybe we even should have just had Jeremy on to talk about this, <laughs> but... Uh, you know, it's a traverse deck, so you, if you believe that Death Shadow is, like, the premier threat, it has more Death Shadows than anybody else who's not running traverse. Uh, it gets to run Stubborn Denial, and then in the place of, as its team or Battle Rage, it is running, uh, Avon Windcaller, which is a Modern Horizons limited, you know, all-star it's like a six mana four four flyer, but it cycles for a blue, and when you cycle it, target creature gains flying until end of turn. Mm-hmm. So you can use that to give your death shadows flying, and you can traverse for it, which is you know a pretty powerful way to end the game. Uh, not great against, not as good against Thopter tokens as Teamer Battle Rage. Yeah, but you know it's it's a cute f- way for the deck to have its way to finish off a game against blockers. Yeah, no, for sure. I think one thing that we talked about a lot when, like, debating what should be in the main deck and stuff is how to make Oko good. Yeah. And Oko is definitely less good in a deck like this than in something like Zan's Regionals winning deck, which has lots of artifacts and has Goose and has... If you just want to play Oko and make a 3-3 every turn, you have a reasonable chance of just doing that. Yeah. Um, um, you just have enough stuff lying around to yeah. just be able to plus on just random Astro- things. Astrolabs, food, mm-hmm. whatever. If you need to turn a Mishra's Bobble into a food so you can block, you, or into a 3-3 a three, three so you can block, you can totally do that. Like, yeah. lots, lots of options. Yeah. And Zanzek is like the culmination of what I was talking about earlier in the podcast. It it's does, just a bunch of good cards. It just doesn't make He's it. He's playing Cryptic Command. You would that. never see <laughs> the new card spoiled and be like, yeah. let's brew this up. And then that's like... <laughs> Your list is close to this. Yeah. It's um, just a wild... It's an Urza, Emery, Oko, Goose, mid-range deck with Cryptic Command and the... What a pile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, I mean, it's clearly good. And, you know, I, I kind of have no desire to play it but just because I... It's very reactive. It's very reactive. Uh, it does feel like a control deck. I, I don't like playing decks that don't have a cohesive plan, mm-hmm. really. You just kind of have to come up with all these things on the fly. But Zan's master, and he's, you know, very good at doing that. Yeah, drew against Harlan round one of the tournament. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that was pretty wild. Uh, Because the deck is really hard to play, so, you know, you may want to become a master before registering this particular deck in a tournament. Yeah. Very cool deck, though. I will probably not be playing a deck like that. Yeah. in any particular yeah. tournament i think that if you are like a control player mm-hmm. or like a just like dedicated mid-range player just love playing with a bunch of busted great cards yeah this is the perfect deck for you i think there's a lot of people who would really love playing this deck so definitely check it out if you're one of those people it's just not for me he also gained some equity from his opponents not understanding what he was doing mm-hmm. i i know at one point an opponent cast a rest in peace against him yeah and then did it again. <laughs> right. These cards are like probably like maybe fine against uh, you know some of the other Urza some, builds. Some or Thopter something. Sword combo. Th- right. Like I, they must have thought he was on Thopter Sword combo. But yeah. even if he were on Thopter Sword combo, 
His sure. deck had so many mid-range elements to it. Yeah. And it's not a card that I would want to bring in there for sure. You cast Rest in Peace and they cast Oko and you have come out on the wrong side of that exchange. Yeah. Yeah. So don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty wild. So yeah, I'm also considering the Vengevine deck. I appreciate that we have so many people working on it so I can just have the good build. Mm-hmm. I, I probably would not have come to that realization of, oh crap, the reason that I keep mulliganing to three is yeah. because my deck is not optimized yeah, to... Yeah help me not have to mulligan so much. Yeah. Shout out to Evan Whitehouse about just like being the voice of reason for all these new unintuitive cards that the rest of us have trouble wrapping our minds yeah. around. No, he just dispassionately figures out the math. And it... <laughs> yeah. And you know, this is, it's, it is difficult for me just as like a human being who's putting magic cards into a deck together. Mm-hmm. It's difficult for me to find room for the third once upon a time and the fourth once upon a time because you just don't really understand what that's going to do to your games. Mm -hmm. But I think right now I need to be erring more on the side of get all of the once upon a times in there. Um, I think that's less likely to be a mistake than not having all the once upon a times in there. Yeah. I think it might be like some of the lists have been running three. Mm -hmm. That might be correct in some instances but evan has been confident that four is the correct number and i think i'm just going to trust him on that one i i'm happy to trust him on that one and i i would rather (laughs) if i'm going to make a mistake here i would rather my mistake being playing slightly too many than too few of the like pretty broken card yeah yeah so it's clearly very good like the right side of history is usually recognizing the card that rules and playing a lot of that card (laughs) yeah for dig through time for treasure cruise yeah let's go oh man it has delve how are we ever gonna pay for this delve over to oh wait i drew three cards off of this treasure cruise that should probably help yeah yeah for sure all right so you know that that is a perfect segue for me That's to say our... speaking of treasure cruise speaking of treasure cruise so uh speaking of treasure cruise it's legal as a four in a format now again. holy cow <laughs> so is dig through time yeah pioneer is gonna be wild pioneer is gonna be so wild all right, so RTR forward. The ban list is the most beautiful ban list I've ever seen, which are the five Fetchlands. Yeah. So <laughs> that's really helping to define the parameters of the format yeah. here. We know it's that... Very, it's very Mean Girls uh, uh, ban list here. We're just not going to let Fetch happen. No, we're not. Fetch. Stop trying to make Fetch happen. You can't Fetch except with Fabled Passage. This Well, okay. All right. <laughs> which is funny. Like... You know, mana bases obviously are going to be worse than if we had a fetch shock mana base. Yeah. That's that's just how it is. But also, a lot of the traditionally broken cards that are legal are just not going to be as good as you remember them being. Yeah. I keep seeing people brewing up mid-range decks that just have deathrite shamans in them. And I don't think they should. It's just not that good in this format unless you're doing something very specific with it. Mm-hmm. Even if you believe other people are doing graveyard stuff, you know, a summoning sick coffin purge once per turn is not going to beat those graveyard decks. Yeah. So Dig Through Time and Treasure Cruise probably still going to be very good, but you'll need to be doing some pretty specific stuff in order to actually enable them. You're going to have to cast a lot of spells because you don't have fetch lines to help. And our only cantrip is opt. So we're not able to just like dump cards into our graveyard unless we are spending cards on dumping cards into our graveyard right so some basic parameters of the format the mana bases are a little bit 
sketchy. We have all the shucks and all of the check lands. So we have okay mana. If you're an aggressive deck, you got to go, especially an allied color aggressive deck, you have to go a little far afield, maybe playing mana confluences or something like that, because lands that come into play untapped on turn one are really just shocks and then the like reveal cycle of lands the the game trail cycle i think is is um so it's a little bit iffy you know what how to build those mana bases ally color decks have an easier time because they have fast lands yeah um or enemy colored decks i mean have an easier time because they have fast lands because no cards are banned this looks like a very linear <laughs> race car sort of format yeah no it definitely feels like the the general types of archetypes that everybody's been excited to talk about have been combo decks mm-hmm. and mono red yep the two tried and true linear strategies in magic eidolon of the great revel looks absolutely busted in this format <laughs> yeah very crazy uh and, and that's not totally true that the decks everybody is posting and excited about are these super linear decks. Yeah, no, for sure. Because I keep seeing Siege Rhino lists, <laughs> and I keep just like, why? Well, we're go- I mean, we're going back to all of like the uh, the old standard Haymaker decks, like the, the end-all, be-all decks of standard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was the end-all, be-all deck of standard at the time. It was Siege Rhinos... Uh, some wingmate rocks, you know, like... <laughs> and some thought seizes uh, are and, what really but the pulled card, the room together. It, yeah, and, and that it's good that you mentioned that because these decks were not good because of Siege Rhino, they were good because of thought seize. Mm-hmm. And that is really going to see itself play out in terms of what from those sets becomes like a tier one card in this format. Yeah. Thought seize is going to see a lot of play. Thought seize is going to be a... A, a pretty big pillar of this this format and it, it has to be yeah because other if you don't thought seize them you're just gonna die to cat combo yeah or you're gonna die to like some emery shenanigans or jeskai ascendancy or or emery jeskai ascendancy yeah like you gotta thought seize them if you are not if you don't believe you're faster than them yeah the importance of thought seize is also one of the things that i think is making the mono red decks look even better Mm-hmm. If everybody's mana bases are shock lands and yeah. their disruption is Thoughtseize. <laughs> All right. If my opponent's starting every game at 14, then <laughs> you better believe I'm playing a bunch of mountains in my deck. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I um, I think that Mono Red is definitely one of the, the better starting points. Mm-hmm. Got a, I mean, you know, Mono Red has been a very, very powerful standard archetype multiple times over, the, you know, since, yeah. since RTR. Uh, we've got a lot of excellent tools. It'll be interesting to see what the mono red lists look like, like how low to the ground they are. Mm-hmm. Like, are they going to be like swift spear decks or are they going to be glory bringer decks? I'm actually not entirely sure. My um, my intuition is swift spear decks. Mine too. Mine too. Because I don't think glory bringer decks beat cat combo, you know? Yeah, that's fair. But I, I do think that it'll be interesting to see if like these mono red decks do the traditional standard mono red thing and have the ability Get to like big. board up mm-hmm. and maybe maybe we're boarding up into things like chandra and and you know experimental frenzy and not things like glory bringer that's probably right. more realistic i love i love the oh you were playing siege rhino well let me bring in these four experimental frenzies yeah yeah, so yeah. <laughs> see, see how your siege rhino deals with a million cards yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, you've undone one of my lightning strikes <laughs> right, but... right right yeah 
So, so you're trying to, I mean, you know, the the way to be experimental in Frenzy is to turn the corner, though. So. Yeah. No, and that that certainly, as long as you can start attacking with that Zedrino, then yeah. you you can possibly beat experimental Frenzy with it. Right. Not to spend too much time on the mono red decks, but the like, the ones floating around in my head are. You can be pretty burn heavy. We do have a lot of burn spells. Mm-hmm. Lightning Strike and Stoke the Flames are probably like the premier ones, but we also have several different three mana, four damage spells. Mm-hmm. If that's a ratio that you want, it's not the best. We that's a trap that I've fallen into quite frequently when trying to build mono red decks. Mm-hmm. Is that I see like I'm like four damage for three mana. That's a good rate, mm-hmm. and I like jam a bunch of those in my deck. It never works out. I think that all of the, like, pure burn decks that people are leaning towards trying right now mm-hmm. with just, like, a million three-mana four-damage spells is kind of a trap. Mm-hmm. You really need to have, like, a foundation of excellent one- and two-mana spells right. to be casting. Which we do have. Okay. I mean, you could just... You could run a heavy burn package that just also includes Monastery Swiss Spear... Gitu Lava Runner, mm-hmm. maybe Viashino Pyromancer, maybe not, yeah. and uh, Eidolon of the Great Rebel. Yeah. My creatures are burn spells, my burn spells are burn spells, and maybe you're splashing white for Boros Charm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, we've got some pretty good one-mana creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, Zergo. That's true. All Strikers in the format. You know, That's a legit one. We got Swiss Spear. Definitely great with, you know, a good density of spells. Bomat Courier. Uh, tried yeah, and true classic favorite. one. Yeah. yeah, and if everybody's mostly dealing with creatures via like three mana planeswalkers, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like Bomat Courier is is going to yeah. get right under that. Right. So I would definitely much prefer to like have Bomat Courier be great in my deck and not have my hand be full of like yeah, a Stoke the Flames and two like three four mana. I love me a Bomat Courier. Yeah, and. It, Bomat Courier in a format that's not 40% Goblin Chain Whirler is <laughs> yeah. a way better Bomat Courier. <laughs> that's Bomat Courier. That is fair. Yeah, for sure. It'll also be interesting to see how good Shock is. Based on what a lot of people are talking about, it feels like Shock has a lot of excellent targets mm-hmm. in Pioneer. Um, but it'll be interesting to see just like the average toughness of creatures up until like three mana. Yep. Because if there are a lot of like two to three mana creatures that die to Shock... I think Shock is going to be great. And, yep. and that as well is going to put Monterey in a really good spot. Yeah. Yeah. And specifically, it also, if they don't have a Teferi in play, mm-hmm. stops cat combo from happening. Yeah. So even if they, even if there's Sahili is at a bunch of loyalty, right. the cat resets it and then it has to minus to one to, every time. Right. So you get yeah. a, you get an opportunity to shock the Sahili. Um, so I think that on its own helps Shock be pretty good. Cause I think cat combo is like the level zero, like, fastest combo deck of yeah. the format yeah yeah i mean we should talk about some of these other like combos that people are talking about yeah there's yeah. there's cat combo you know see Rai, Feldar guardian that's one of the busted combos that has existed in standard mm-hmm. um rally the ancestors is something that we were talking about earlier yeah and i don't really know how to build the rally this is the one the cat combo deck in my head like kind of built it itself yeah. almost right like you go Sahili, Felidar Guardian, Teferi, Oko, Oath of Nyssa, <laughs> Gilded Goose. Yeah. Like, you're almost there. Right. You're just figuring out the filler. Do you want Elvish Visionary in the two slot for blinking? Do you want a Heart of Kirin to be, like, a sort of, like, sidestep game plan? What do you want your mana base to be like? Do you want Interplanar Beacon or do you want uh, Fastlands and stuff? But 
the, that core of like three mana planeswalkers, gilded goose, mm-hmm. Felidar guardian, yeah, is like okay, like this is clearly a good deck, and we're almost there. Yeah, rally the ancestors. I I don't I you, I know you want Stitcher Supplier. <laughs> yeah, you get access to Stitcher Supplier. Your mana is also really difficult because mm-hmm. you're at, you're at minimum you're at minimum three colors, and you want to be four. And you yeah you, you want to be playing Jace Friends Prodigy. Yeah, but the the fetch land mana base is what they had when that deck was in standard, and those have all been banned. So yeah, <laughs> you know being able to play a four color deck is much more difficult in Pioneer. Yeah. And I don't know exactly how this ends up working out. Like, one way that you can build it is we have as many creatures that draw a card whenever a creature you control dies as you could want. Because yeah. we have Midnight Reaper and Grim Hera Specs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're going to play it as, like, more of an aristocrat's kind of thing, you get a bunch of creatures in play and you blood artist them to death and draw a bunch of cards. I don't know exactly how it ends up working out, mm-hmm. but clearly Rally the Ancestors is doing a lot of carrying the load there for whatever you're doing no for sure but yeah finding the right mix that makes that deck actually work if i had a tournament this weekend i would just play cat combo because i can build that deck yeah no that's fair it's like one of the good starting points for sure yeah other quote-unquote broken combo strategies that have existed in the past yeah well so here's the thing like nothing is banned yeah if you are not playing a deck that includes a card that has been banned at some point. <laughs> yeah. You better believe that something in your deck yeah. is going to get banned. Your opponent's going to cast Treasure Cruise. Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, and that's like the tamest thing your opponent can do. Honestly. Yeah. Which is kind of wild. Yeah. Because of, you know, it's Treasure Cruise. But, uh, but yeah, like, okay, so let's talk about Kethis combo. Sure. You know, that existed for a very brief amount of time, but it was just very clearly a broken combo strategy. Even um, just adding Emery into that deck you get to add emery <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're playing modern now it's great um although I, I i will say there was a list floating around on twitter that was a kethis combo list and it got retweeted by some big names as like you know wow look you can like this is a great starting point whatever that list was was unplayable whoever built it <laughs> has never played a game with kethis i promise because the deck could not win it didn't have any diligent excavators its only way of comboing off with kethis was the double emery like hard loop which is only oh doable which is only doable by having eight mocks in your deck you only get four this time so <laughs> so be careful with what list you like start off with yeah. if you're just pulling one off of twitter um make sure it has diligent excavator in it because uh there was one floating around without that card it's not gonna work i i mean the ideal list if you can figure out a way to not have to rely on diligent excavator mm-hmm. you know that would be preferable if yeah if there's any card that i'm missing i could certainly see that being like a better engine because diligent excavator feels pretty awkward a lot of the time yeah. for sure it's not it's not ideal, but um, in its standard format, it was the best solution. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's anything like previous that would be better. Probably not. And there's nothing that gets you there by looping moxes the way the diligent excavator does. You know, once you have mm-hmm. mox mox diligent excavator well, kethis, like you just win. One card that we should point out uh, is Jeskai Sentency. Right, that's true. So Jeskai Sentency works with Emery alone. To combo off as mm-hmm. long if you have double Mox Amber or a single Tormod Script, we'll do it. Yep. And we certainly had Jeskai's Indicy Tormod Script combos in the past mm-hmm. in Standard. Uh, I certainly tried to make some of those work back in the day. Well, They're, and with Emery, it becomes a lot yeah. better. They, uh, Lee Chi Chan might have been able to do well with it. 
they're bad, I promise. <laughs> but Emery, yeah, Emery is might be the the solution to that problem. Yeah. Um, and simultaneously, your treasure, your your, your Tormod's crypt is helping you solve opposing treasure cruises and Emery yeah. decks and Kethis decks. Yeah. And there probably is a healthy dose of graveyard stuff happening in this format. Right. So there might be some like mashup with like you know Kethis combo and Emery and Jeskai Senetsi and paradoxical um, outcome maybe. And paradoxical outcome potentially. The mana is just, I mean, we're talking really rough at this point. Well, we do have Spire of Industry. Uh, so okay. that's not nothing. Yeah. So we, like, if you're willing to just take damage, if you feel that you have ways of beating Mono Red, if you're, you're probably not faster, and boy, like, your Emery's are vulnerable to Searing Blood. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you feel somehow that you have Mono Red covered, you can play mon- Mana Confluence, Spire of Industry in these decks. Yeah. And then your mana takes care of itself. Yeah, it's it not, just hurts you really badly. It's not the worst. It's pretty bad. It's, it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. So I've been just... Like, we're not playing a ton of artifacts in this deck either. No. So. And especially, like, if you're on Jeskai Ascendancy, the balance between artifacts and, like, spells that go to the, like, actual spells, um, especially because if you have Jeskai Ascendancy, you likely want Treasure Cruise. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the fact that your artifacts just stay in play... We Cruise in this deck? Maybe. Oh, man. Oh. I, I have to believe that any Jeskai Ascendancy is going to be running some number of treasure crews. Yeah, oh, for sure. No, you, you will be. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the bottom line is that I have no idea what this deck is going to look like. No, but this one's hard to build, too. Um, yeah. And it, it may be a couple of different decks. Yeah. But some combination of Kethis, Emery, Jeskai Ascendancy, treasure crews. We're doing crazy combo, broken It's going to be doing crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, one of the restrictions on the format is very few zero mana artifacts and also very few artifacts that you can sacrifice for any particular gain. Yeah. Um, there's no Chromatic Star or Chromatic Sphere. The only one we have is Terrarion, which enters the battlefield tapped. Mm. So it becomes more difficult for Emery to be that Deathrite Shaman card. That it is in modern. Yeah. yeah for sure. Yeah. Also, one of the really awkward things is the only cantrip we have in this format is Opt. So, you know, that on its own makes it harder to build kind of normal Jeskai Ascendancy decks. Yeah. I mean, we did it in standard with yeah. no one mana, like, draw fixing cantrips. But that so. deck was certainly more like a tokens deck that, like, utilized, True. like, token makers as, like, spells. And then, like, Stoke the Flames was your cheapest thing that you were doing. You're right. It wasn't a combo deck. It wasn't a yeah a Jeskai Ascendancy deck like we've seen in modern. Yeah, it was like a it was like a it had like certain combo elements just because Jeskai Ascendancy was this broken engine. Mm-hmm. But I you know it wasn't like really trying to kill your opponent all in one turn. The Jeskai Ascendancy deck that Evan was talking about that seems like it has the most potential. And you know I'm just naming four colors and two cards here, but Jeskai Ascendancy plus Sylvan Awakening. Sylvan Awakening turns all your lands into two two creatures. Mm-hmm. And then every spell you cast untaps all of your lands. Yeah. And you'll win very easily after that. Yeah. If you can cast some cantrips, you'll be digging in no time. Just any... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, some dig you can, time, you some can cast a five mana dig through time and it's yeah. fine. It gives you all the mana right back. Right, right, right. So... And pumps yeah. all your guys and you will win. Yeah. Um, so that might be... You know, that with nothing else is just a turn four win. We also get to play dig through time in these... Uh, well, with no fetches, it'll be interesting to see how these delve cards show up. Because, mm-hmm. like, in my mind, I was like, wow, Dig Through Time in cat combo seems busted. But I, And I've seen it in there. I yeah. don't know how you get cards into your game. Right, yeah. That, that deck is playing, like, 
it's like cantrip of choice is an enchantment that does go to the graveyard. Right. So. <laughs> We're playing all permanents because we want to blink them with Felidar Guardian right, into right, fairy. Right. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's, you can't, I don't think you can put Dig Through Time into that deck. Yeah, that's fair. Marvel, Etherworks Marvel, is one of the traditionally broken cards legal in the format. Yeah. I think it's probably unplayable. Teferi. It just yeah. shuts it off. It just turns it off. Yeah. You can't cast these cards. That's pretty wild. Yeah. <laughs> you can't you can't use it, and then maybe they just bounce it, so you got to pay another four mana for it. Right. Bad. Yeah. Also, just kind of like slower than the rest of these combos that we're talking about. Right. Exactly. Like, Etherworks Marvel only became playable once Felidar Guardian got banned in standard. Right. It, it couldn't keep up. Yeah. So don't try. I guess. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's going to be multiple series of bands. Mm-hmm. And after each set of bands, yeah. you're going to get to maybe do that thing that you thought about at the beginning of the format that wasn't good enough. Pioneer is going to be all about playing what's going to get banned next. Yep. At the beginning of the format, I want to be playing the first deck that gets banned. And yeah. then after that, I want to be playing the second deck that gets Which banned. Which is, <laughs> unless you win the tournament each time, is going to be real hard on your wallet. Well, fair. fair. Yeah. I looked around for Sahili's. I found one at a local game shop. Mm-hmm. The local game shop had a playset at 850 a piece. I snapped that up. Yep. Uh, I believe Sahili will be in the first round of bans. Or at least Felidar Guardian. Um, yeah. They banned Felidar Guardian last time. We'll see. We'll see if that... Yeah. I don't uh, think they're as committed to making sure the mythic is legal in this format. Yeah. So. The, yeah. Some of these mythics are likely to get banned. So... Yeah. Other mono red stuff. Just like things that I thought of. Like there's a few different ways to build it. The burn one probably... The super burn heavy one with just like a couple of early drops followed by burn. Sure. Probably does splash white for Boros Charm. There's definitely the possibility to build a prowess version... Because you have eight one-mana prowess guys, you have runaway steamkin, and you can just run a bunch of bedlam revelers. I like the sound of that. And you bedlam ha- reveler. Phew. Yeah. It's a good card. It's good stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I saw Ryan Overturf running like a blue-red version that really just didn't seem like it had what it took. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I think this mono-red version could. You have eight red draw card spells okay including one that just gives your guys trample so if you give them all four or five power over the course of a runaway steam can turn yeah then you just get them mm-hmm. um and then bedlam reveler for the reload is certainly good um some versions of the deck could have smuggler's copter in it as well so it's probably a slightly different version from the prowess version but yeah um copter is a good card any deck that is trying to be an answer deck rather than a race car deck it looks like probably has to be black mm-hmm. um, for Thoughtseize. I mean, Thoughtseize is like number one, and then yep. there's a big gap, and then okay, I also would like to be black because the best removal spells are Fatal Push and Abrupt Decay. Right. Um, Sultai honestly looks like to be the color combination of choice for like mid rangey decks. Yeah, Thoughtseize into Oko. Yeah, that sounds fine to me. Sounds great. I'm I'm totally into that. You get some uh, some Liliana the Last Hopes in there. Yeah, you could totally do that. You could also... One thing that I've wanted to do for a long time is Thought Season to search for Azkanta. Yeah, there you go. So, you know, if you're a spell-heavier version of Sultai, because the creatures are not very good. No. Yeah. Yeah, the downside of having green is that, you know, we're, <laughs> we don't have the big fatties of Tarmogoyf anymore. No. No Tarmogoyfs. You have no like, ooze, right? The ooze is legal. Ooze is legal. Okay, all yeah. right. So that may be one of the... One of the better ones, and we do have Grim Flare, but they're just like mm. not, like neither of them are ones that you can be like, all right, play it. 
I've stabilized the ground. <laughs> like, that doesn't happen. Play it. It gets shocked. Oh, no. <laughs> you do have Gurmag Angler. Um, all right. Okay. But, but if no, we're playing... No fetches. No fetches. I'm our cantrips are bad. I'm these stealth cards, for yeah. sure. Yeah. You can't... You, if you don't Thought Scour yourself, you, you're not really casting Gurmag These stealth Angler. cards might be, like, at the power level that they were always intended to be at <laughs> because they banned all the fetch lands. <laughs> I think that's mostly true, except for when they're put in combination with Jeskai Ascendancy. Fair, fair. Um, And also, I think that your mid-rangey deck, your ThoughtCZ deck, whatever it is, I think there's a good chance that you're probably going to be doing this, and the purpose of it is that you're aiming at an Emrakul endgame. Sure. Because that will overpower most of the busted stuff that people are doing to you. A little Ishkanai action, a little Emrakul over the top. Ishkanai seems like a sideboard card against... An aggressive deck. It's fair. I'm not trying to kill, like, three mana planeswalkers with Ishkana. No, yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely true. But you do have really good removal in black decks with Abrupt Decay, Assassin's Trophy, K-Command, Fatal, Fatal, Fatal push. push. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's the reactive package. I have a bunch of ideas for stuff for after bans happen. Yeah. We can talk about them probably later. <laughs> but things things that look, things that seem not good enough. Uh-huh. Ramp. Unfortunately, we missed Farseek by one set. It's a bummer. Because we started at M14 and it was yep. an M13. Uh, so you don't really start ramping on turn two unless you're doing some weird stuff. M13, I think that that's probably what like defined the cutoff, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Is that like M13 had a lot of crazy cards that we're just like not allowed to go back to. <laughs> uh, wasn't like Ponder in there? Didn't they have Lightning Bolt and like, stuff like that? Lightning Bolt, I think was... Yeah, Lightning Bolt was only M10 and M11. Oh, so okay. we're, we're sure. a ways off of Lightning Bolt. Yeah. But like... Okay, we're we're like two sets off of the Titans. The Titans were M12, okay. so sure. you know we missed some of the stuff by a, by a couple of years, but we definitely right. like missed Farseek. Yeah, yeah, by yeah. one set, and that's that's kind of a shame. It's fair. Um, but you can Hour of Promise for multiple Fields of the Dead. Yeah, it's pretty so good. So that could be something. We also have Scapeshift Legal. Yeah. So you know that that could be a thing in some future post ban format. Mm-hmm. One cool thing is we have a bunch of zero mana equipment. And we have SRAM and Psy and Paradoxical Outcome. Some Cheerios action. Some Cheerios action. All right. Um, with a little less redundancy, but maybe you play like Once Upon a Time to help you get one of those, you know, cards. Okay. One of those creatures into your hand. Paradoxical Outcome. I don't know if your kill is like Gear Up or Ether Grid or what. <laughs> sure. But so this idea isn't totally fleshed out and it also seems too slow to compete with the... The other combo decks. Yeah. Right. Which I think if you're going to explore right now... Four primary avenues that I would really consider are Mono Red, Cat Combo, Jeskai Ascendancy, and some sort of Emery thing. Sure. Oh, yeah. And Rally of the Ancestors, I guess. So Maybe. Yeah. Those seems like good good starting points. Yeah. Rally of the Ancestors may be too complicated. Let somebody else yeah. figure that out. And then some Thought Seize strategy. Sure. Once we see... company strategies... Collected might be co- fine. Collected company probably pretty important for fighting these mono red decks. Yeah, like some some band deck. Yeah, that's playing you know the good band creatures, spellqueller, reflector mage, um, and you can also do the spellqueller plus Teferi and Oko to never give them their spell back. So that's like nice. that all exists. Yep. Yeah, pretty good summary, I think. Yeah, I think so too. So I think that we have kind of gone on long enough on sort of a. You know, Pioneer is going to be a real thing, but it's tangential enough that it feels like that was kind of a Patreon question section <laughs> of the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so I, I think we may call it from there. Okay. 
So thank you so much to everybody for listening. We really, really appreciate your time. Um, thanks to everybody who supports us on Patreon. If you would like to come hang out in the Discord and get some swag, you can head over to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast, or you can go to our website, mtggrindcast.com. We've got links to the Patreon, links to our social media stuff, all of our episodes, Collins' coaching, and uh, you can also find us on social media. I am tweeting from at CCR underscore Grindcast, and Collins is also on Twitter. At Collins Bullen. Uh, we will be in Atlanta this weekend, so, you know, look look for us on coverage, and hopefully we won't disappoint you. <laughs> um, anyways, have a great week. All right, peace. <laughs>